Tandem Talk is a quarterly financial podcast sharing history, insight, and market commentary from Tandem's investment team. This podcast was created to give our clients and partners an opportunity to eavesdrop on the team's conversations. It gives the listener a way to hear from our team, understand our thought process and investment philosophy, and get to know a little bit more about us. Since we can't have you all in our office, we thought we would take our office to the listener and give you a seat at the table. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we do creating Tandem Talk. We invite you to join the conversation. Ask us a question by emailing us at information at tandemadvisors.com or suggest a topic for us to cover on our next episode. And now we turn you over to Tandem's investment team of John Carew, Billy Little, Ben Carew, and Jordan Watson. You're listening to Tandem Talk. Hello and welcome listeners to Tandem Talk episode 15. We're coming to you live at the moment from our studio in Charleston, South Carolina. We haven't been with you since November, so a lot has happened since then. To discuss that, as always, I'm joined by the Tandem Investment Team of Billy Little. Hello, everyone. Ben Carew. Hey, how's it going? And Jordan Watson. Hey. So let's jump right into it, guys. Um, Lots of things have happened since November. Uh, we had a, a little mini rally among what seemed like all stocks to close out the year. And now we're back to the magnificent, it's not seven anymore. Is it six? Are we down to five? Six, Whatever. five, six. maybe four. <laughs> We've had uh, earnings. We've had some hot inflation data that didn't seem to move the needle for more than 24 hours. Yields are as volatile as ever. Uh, and it seems to me, from my perspective, that um, we are, as just the investing public, is sort of risk unaware. Um, my, my phraseology, not anybody else's. So let me just roll those topics out there that uh, I made a note of. And, and where do we go from there? Who wants to start, Billy? I think since the uh, last time we talked, everything has felt pretty good. I mean, the S&P 500... Had its first down week in a while last week, so we're up now 14 of 16 weeks. Um, it's like 2017 all over again. It's like 2017 <laughs> all over again. You're right. But we are back to a market that feels a lot like it did last year, where, as you said, John, coming into into 2024, we had a nice broadening of the rally. Um, more stocks were contributing to that that upside. And now we've gotten back to the NVIDIAs of the world. NVIDIA up being close to 60% on the year. Um, AI just dominating headlines. Super micro up 300% at and one point in the first or whatever too. I mean, five weeks of the year. Um, things are just really taking off. Um, and so things... You know, investors are feeling pretty good about themselves until, like you said last week when CPI came out. Well, it was interesting uh, because it was a very hot inflation number, right? And so the old market would have thought, uh uh-oh, rates are going higher, Mm -hmm. and it would have paused. Nothing seems to shake at least the nominal value of the index, right? Yeah, there's been a little bit of a divergence, I guess. You know, over the past two years or so, it's really sort of all felt like one trade out there in the market. Yields higher, dollar higher, stocks lower. But you've seen a divergence a little bit this year in the sense that yields and the dollar have both been moving higher and stocks just haven't really cared. 
Now, maybe that's oversimplification to say stocks haven't really cared because the equal weight's flat this year. And so maybe it's really just the Fantastic Four or whatever you want to call them yeah. now. They don't care. Like last year. I mean, it was, like last it was year. much of what we saw at last yeah, year. So it, it does just feel a lot like last year. The market could shrug off one hot CPI print or one hot PPI print, right? Because CPI, PPI were both hot last week. I think if you saw a continuation of that, right, one or two data points isn't indicative of a trend. I think the trend is still lower in terms of inflation services inflation was a bit higher and i think that sort of spooked some folks in the market though there's some components in there like portfolio management revenues which when the market's at an all-time high those tend to be higher right so that feeds through also so john i think to your point the old market might have been spooked by that but the trend has been lower with these inflation prints where this could just be a blip right and maybe we'll see next month or the following month, if this is truly a blimp or an anomaly, or if this is the beginning of a trend higher. One of the things to me with that CPI print is, yeah, it was a little hot, but just a little. It wasn't anything crazy. Right. To me, it really seemed more like a reason to sell off. I mean, the market was up 14 out of 15 weeks, like Billy pointed out. The market was up 20% over those 15 weeks. That's a really hot market. That is unsustainable. That cannot happen forever. In fact, I don't even think that it happened for like 50 years or something like that, and right? The S&P is approaching 21 times the next four cur- four quarters of earnings. And yeah. it's not like we're cheap by any measure. Let me let me push back just a little bit with a with a bullish take on that. Um so rates have risen this year, right? Uh the dollar has strengthened this year. Um but we are nowhere near the nominal levels uh, on the dollar index or treasury yields where we were when the market sort of <laughs> spit the bit last year and, and really stumbled with rates. You know, the 10-year got above 5 right? It, and then it went from above 5% to below 4% in weeks, which is m- a more dramatic move than anything I can remember ever seeing in the bond market. It's crazy how quickly we did that. Now the 10 years somewhere between 425 and 430, Mm -hmm. I think, 420 and 430, um, which is nowhere near where we were. So is it direction or is it levels that matter? Oh, and by the way, I would just sort of add that that profits, even when rates were higher, um, fared well, did they not? Can I cheat and say D all of the above to which matters? (laughs) I I mean, I do think it's... I think levels, to a certain extent, caused the issues that you saw at the start of last year with banks, right? I mean, part of that was outflows happening because of higher rates. So clearly, the absolute level matters. Beyond that, I would say it's the magnitude of the move that is probably most impactful to the market. Um, so from below four to four and a quarter, say, is is a magnitude? Or was no, the I bigger mean, move from I mean, below like what you were five talking about to from below. five to four and how quickly yeah. it moved? Like that, to me, is a... That's dramatic. Yeah, whenever you see moves like that in either direction. And really, that's what happened on the day that, that CPI came in a little hot, is you saw a pretty big intraday move in yields, which caused the markets to have their worst day in 18 months, 20 months, something like that. I oh, mean, yeah. I think it was the worst and day I since June of 22. It, it does matter to most companies. It just doesn't matter to the top Nvidia. five, seven, <laughs> ten right. companies that yields don't really make a difference, right? Yeah, yeah but it matters growing, when you're looking at small caps. Right, but right. if you're growing 
200% year over year, like NVIDIA is forecasted to grow this quarter. I mean, yeah. what is... A move of 3.8 to 4.3 is not yeah. not going not gonna to bother we that. We need some resolution on how we're going to pronounce NVIDIA or NVIDIA. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, you're a NVIDIA guy. Let's just I go silent and just Jordan, NVIDIA. you're an NVIDIA guy. NVIDIA. NVIDIA. Ben, where do you fall? I think I say NVIDIA. I do. Yeah. Three to one, Billy loses. <laughs> Democracy at its finest. You know, one thing that I think was interesting coming into this year uh, that I think we talked about back in November on the podcast was how the market was pricing in six to seven uh, rate cuts. And I think all of us were a little dubious that the market could get six to seven rate cuts actually in. So to all of us just sort of talking in the office, it seemed like the risk to the market was that not happening. Have right? you heard any of the commentary? Now, it's it's faint. And it's it's not widespread, but have you heard any commentary that the next interest rate move could actually be higher? I haven't heard the next one. What what I was going to talk about was City came out I think before the CPI print, and basically said, "Hey, this easing cycle is likely to be really short, and start to prepare yourself for interest hikes." And the was that before or after they laid off all their staff? <laughs> <laughs> What I do know is that they compared it to, I think, 98. And in 98, the Fed came out and did three rapid cuts as long-term capital management was failing at the time to shore up markets. And so you had this really brief uh, easing cycle before the Fed started hiking again going into the late 90s. And I was sitting there, I was reading that, and it reminds me of NVIDIA or how do you say it? NVIDIA. NVIDIA. (laughs) NVIDIA or NVIDIA. Reminds me of that. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of the '90s too, right? Or the mm. micro set, whatever it is, being Super up three hundred. Yeah, being up three hundred percent. There's a couple different things out there that feel like the late '90s, right now. You know, it's an interesting place to pivot. So Ben, you bring up the '90s, and uh, <clears throat> I just, you and I uncovered what I thought was interesting data uh, recently as I was preparing to give a talk in Greensboro, and. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot in, in our writings um, in this podcast in episode 14 about the Magnificent Seven, and I know some have fallen off. I'm not sure how many Magnificents we have left. But, but it really has grown to dominate uh, the market. Mm-hmm. Um, if it were a sector all of its own, it would be the second largest sector in the S&P 500, trailing only broad technology by... A fraction, I think broad technology is 29% of the index as of year end, and Magnificent 7 was 28% of the index. And Ben, you found for me the top seven uh, components of the S&P 500 in 2000. I realize that's, al- that's almost 24 years ago, or it is 24 years ago, um, and a lot changes in that time period. But the top seven names then comprised only a little over 20 percent of the index as opposed to 28 percent now and what i thought was really fascinating were the top seven names included exxon mobile walmart cisco systems <laughs> intel i mean some of the least widely held names now mm-hmm. were some of the most widely held names then the only name that overlaps from then to now is microsoft you know, it's kind of funny about Microsoft too in there. I mean, we've been a long time 
They've completely reinvented themselves. Yeah, yes. I mean, Microsoft was maybe calling Microsoft a dog is is a stretch, but Microsoft was a dinosaur for a long time. I mean, they in were, between then and now, I think they sold a lot of software yeah. packages. I, no lie, when a new version of of that suite with Outlook and Word and Office would come mm-hmm. out, people would stand in line outside the store <laughs> to just get, to update their Excel. to get their box of software <laughs> that they would then go stick in a hard drive somewhere yeah. and download it to the machine. So they have truly reinvented themselves they to have. their credit, and we stuck with them through the Balmer regime, which was really the the dark side of the moon for Microsoft. But anyway, you were you no, were saying there are similarities between now and the nineties. How do you see them? Yeah, I think that you just sort of hit the nail on the head for a lot of those. But if you look at flows over the last year, I saw a statistic earlier today talking about fund flows into each sector. And almost every single dollar entering this market is going into tech as far as sectors are concerned. You're seeing a little bit of a positive flow into communication, which again is sort of a derivation of tech. And then you're seeing uh, some flows into industrials. Everything else, according to what I was reading earlier, was I had outflows over the past year. So you're seeing this, I mean, you're seeing a top heavy market where it's really only one thing, which is it's tech. And I think uh, B of A had that in their recent survey, right, too? Is that the, that's the most crowded trade? It is, but there's also some, I guess I do enough, enough bashing of the Magnificent Seven that I'm going to do some supporting here. The Magnificent Seven last quarter, so for Q4, its, its sales growth is 15%. Its earnings growth year over year is 58%. The other 493 names, 3% sales growth down 2% earnings growth. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. They are growing. They are. So can, can I and it's a real deal. That? And they are the growth of the market. Mm-hmm. They, I, the listener can't see this, but... More than 100% of the growth. Correct. Nice air quotes. Yes, thank I, you. I feel like whenever somebody's sort of asked, what do you think the market's going to do? And I mean, we don't have outlooks or anything like that, but if I'm pressed on an opinion, I've sort of deferred to saying one of two things seems, seems likely to happen. Either the market broadens out and the rest of the 493 names catch up to the seven or the seven catch up to the 493, right? Or some sort of combination in between. But that's interesting when you look at it on a fundamental basis. What do you think is more likely? Do you think it's more likely that the 493 start growing again? Or do you think it's more likely that the seven stop? D, all of the above. <laughs> um, I think you could have a, a combination of, of the two. I think you, you can actually see some of these names start to grow s- again. Start, start to grow again. I mean, it's been a while. I mean, we're talking, this has been going on for a couple years now. I what what yeah. is it they say about selling short? Markets can remain irrational longer, longer than you than can, you remain, can solvent. remain solvent. Thank you, yeah. Jordan. That's what it is. And so I sort of look at it a couple of ways. In the short run, these big tech names have incredible earnings power, and that isn't changing anytime soon. It just it just is a fact of life for right now. And the rest of the economy, the rest of the market, just isn't growing for a whole host of reasons. We may be having a rolling recession uh, in, in some ways. We certainly are internationally, right? right? Wasn't it just last week yeah. that the UK and Japan technically entered a recession? Yes. Yeah, and Germany knows what's going and, on with and, China and these, right now. These companies are immune to that. They've been vaccinated against recessions, and they've had their <laughs> boosters. Um, 
And so they're rolling. And you don't fight that trend, you just accept it. But what I can say is that when markets get like this, in my experience, investors tend to follow nominal rates of return with little regard to what risk they're assuming to get there. And believe me, I'm going somewhere with this. So imagine that you have a coin that you flip and it's binary. Heads, you're up 50% for the year. Tails, you're down 50% for the year. And five years in a row, you flip heads. Are we to conclude that you have mastered the art of coin flipping and you're going to be up 50% way more often than you're down? Or are we to conclude that normalcy ultimately returns? And the point behind this rambling here is that in my lifetime, the energy sector has been the single largest component of the S&P 500. Today, it comprises less than 3% of the index. Finance was the largest single sector in the S&P 500. After the financial crisis, it was less than 10% of the S&P 500. I think we're back up to about 15%. That did take some names from tech, too. It did take some names from technology being rolled into the finance sector, Mm -hmm. like Visa and MasterCard. Um, and, And the infotech sector, which is by far the largest sector and has been for well over a decade now, Um, almost 30% of the index, has had names removed from it. We now have a sector called uh, telecommunication services. What? Communication services. Communication services that we didn't didn't used to exist. Those were mostly tech names. Um, Jordan, you pointed out earlier today that Uber is now an industrial. (laughs) The largest industrial, the largest stock in the XLI. That's crazy. So this sector continues to grow, even though it's losing names that are being reassigned to other sectors as the sector matures, which is normal. But the point of all this is we haven't mastered the art of coin flipping, that eventually there is, in fact, reversion to the mean. No, no idea when. I'm certainly not predicting it's inevitable or just around the corner by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that it is imperative, at least for us, to be mindful of the risk that we're taking in year five of flipping heads um, to achieve these returns that some of these sectors and companies are producing. They're, they're not permanently sustainable, but they're good. The wind is clearly at their back. I'm not, I'm not trying to th- be a wet blanket on, on a parade here, but that's just my thought about comparing it to, to the past. I think that's a great point. Honestly, we could, just, we could probably just stop it right there and just call it a podcast. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> but if we're still rolling, I think that it seems like it's gotten a little narrowly focused as well in terms of how hyper-focused the market is on AI. And I think to a certain extent... If you believe AI is game-changing technology or is going to change the way that the world works, you need to broaden your view a little bit. I mean, there's countless stocks now that are incorporating AI into their everyday workplace, and it's impacting the way that they analyze data. I mean, we have countless healthcare, not countless, we don't have so many healthcare (laughs) names in the portfolio, but a lot of our healthcare names are being impacted by AI. They're Mm -hmm. analyzing all this data that they've collected to make pre-op, post-op, and intra-op procedures safer they analyze data and data in ways that they never could we have amphenol whose products go into the semiconductor manufacturing process so they have this ai exposure so i think when people talk about ai they're like do you own nvidia 
And it's like there's <laughs> so much more to it than that. ADP is out basically outsourcing their call center to AI. And it, they're seeing efficiencies by you chatting with AI instead of calling into some call center somewhere. That's saving them money, right? And so there's so much more to it. It will, than drive, just, yeah. it will drive margins high, right? Profitability. Yeah, I think, I think it's an excellent point. The other 493 companies aren't just sitting on the sideline. They are incorporating AI to drive efficiencies, but everyone is so laser-focused on these seven stocks where the other 493 will likely see margin expansion. Um, you know, we've we've seen layoffs because companies mm-hmm. are improving technology. They don't need as big of a headcount. So I think it's an excellent point that you're going to see it broaden out. Um, but investors are just so focused. I mean, NVIDIA's earnings tomorrow are is like the big market event of the month. Past CPI, past Fed minutes. I mean, people are laser focused. Yeah, no, the ex- I heard this morning the expected move after their earnings report is plus or minus $200 billion. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. That is That's pocket change wild, for you, Billy. Wild, <laughs> wild moves. All right, so enough of these uh, concentrated names. Jordan, I think you make an excellent point. And Ben and Billy, I think both of you referenced this earlier. This is a good market. It is definitely dominated in terms of share price appreciation and earnings growth by a few, but there is value. We're putting money to work. Um, We've added to existing holdings since we were last together. I don't think we've found any new companies to add to no, the portfolio, no, but no new names. But no that's names. okay. We're we've we've been able to put money to work. There is value out there. We're not suggesting that the market is broadly overvalued and and we we can't find anything interesting, right? There there are interesting there are things. Okay, Fed policy. Any thoughts there? Is that a market driver, or are is the Fed now being driven by what's going on? Yields have been going higher because the market's been repricing the number of cuts that they see. All of a sudden, you have City talking about potential hikes after a few cuts. And so I think it definitely still matters. I think the market's just a little distracted right now by AI. But ultimately, yields, I think, will continue to be a driver of valuation and and everything else. All right. So let's get out our crystal balls. We'll be together again in May to record anyway. I'm assuming we'll all be together long before that. (laughs) But but with microphones shoved in our faces, we'll, we'll do this again in May for Tandem Talk 16. Do we have any thoughts about where markets will be, where rates will be, what the economy will look like? Will there be any clarity as to which demented 80-year-old will will capture the White House? <laughs> Anything that's going to become clearer in the next three months than it is today? There's only one thing that I would bet on out of any of that, and that is basically what you were talking about at the end with the 80-year-olds in the White House, is that <laughs> as we get closer to elections, people will become increasingly less rational. And that is not the way to invest your dollars. You should not be investing emotionally. Politics tends to bring out our most emotional selves. And so I would just urge any listeners out there to just try to avoid that emotion. And I think that that is something that we do so well here, uh, which is check our emotions at the door, check our biases at the door, and just invest following a discipline. But that is the only prediction that I would make, is that people will get increasingly less rational as we get closer. I think that's really important to touch on because every four years, 
people who are anti-so-and-so say, I want out. And every time they've done that, it's been a mistake, right? Yeah. As of this recording right now, there has never been a decline in the market did not go back to all-time highs afterwards. Every bear market we've ever had, every correction we've ever had, (laughs) that was me knocking on wood, (laughs) has resulted in new all-time highs in the market. It may not be right away. Stocks go up way more often than they go down, right? Way more Mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. And so invest with discipline, rationally. Without emotion. Without emotion. Politics do not matter to corporate earnings. They matter to all of us. Everyone at this table could debate the Depends-wearing politicians (laughs) for the rest of the evening and have fun doing it and do it passionately. But it has no bearing on an investment decision, or at least it shouldn't, right? You know, they can impact earnings. Who's in the White House and some sort of legislation passed on drug prices will impact a pharmaceutical company's... In the short run. Right? But good companies figure out how to navigate all environments. I think that is the most important takeaway that you, that, that you could have from something like that. It's not that. It's not that it doesn't impact it. It's just that it's white noise. And if you're finding good mm-hmm. companies, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter if you're in good times or bad, if you're in a economy that's just booming or an economy like what we came out of the financial crisis with, with small growth. Rising rates are falling. Good companies are good companies in all environments. And that's what we try to find. And that's why it doesn't matter to us. That's why we can be so flippant about who's going to be in the White House or are we heading for a recession or not. I, I don't know. Yeah. I know that, that yeah. I like our companies, though. And the clarity question three months, who knows? I can easily give you a scenario where, speaking rates-wise, the Fed could be increasing rates in three months. I could give you a reason why they should be cutting rates. You know, more banks start to go have troubles. Yeah, Yeah, we haven't even talked about commercial real estate. Or inflation starts to take off. I mean, you can go go through any scenario. So trying to predict where we're going to be three months on kind of a macro level is 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 really, really difficult. (laughs) I mean, if you look at where we were what happened between the last recording and this recording, to your point, Ben, I mean, New York community bank shares down 50%. I don't know if anyone saw that coming. You've got the stuff going on in the Red Sea. And I mean, the list is endless. There's there's always uh, a wall of worry for the market to overcome, and it's changing all the time. And there's always going to be uncertainty in things. Um, so I think you guys are spot on. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but the businesses that, that we own, uh, we're comfortable with. I think that's a good place to wrap, um, at least for broad topics. Um, in conclusion, any any big points, any anything we didn't touch on that you want to address, Billy? No, I think finishing this, this up is we have absolutely no clarity whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and it yeah. doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. Well, this is going to be a wrap for Tandem Talk Episode 15. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Just a reminder that this podcast is trademarked and available on our website at tandemadvisors.com. It's also available for streaming and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Until the next time, be well. Tandem Talk is hosted by Tandem's investment team of John Carew, Billy Little, Ben Carew, and Jordan Watson. Tandem Talk is co-produced by Elaine Natoli, Ariel Davis, Paisley Lewis, and Lindsay Collins of LMC Sound System.
Tandem Investment Advisors Incorporated is an SEC registered investment advisor. This podcast is for informational purposes only and shall not constitute or be considered financial, tax, or investment advice or an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any product, service, or security. Tandem Investment Advisors Incorporated does not represent that the securities, products, or services discussed on this podcast are suitable for any particular investor. Indices are unmanaged and not available for direct investment. Please consult your financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All past portfolio purchases and sales are available upon request. All performance figures, data points, charts, and graphs contained in this report are derived from publicly available sources believed to be reliable. Tanda makes no representation as to the accuracy of these numbers, nor should they be construed as any representation of past or future performance.